1: Rate games, share lists, and log your game time powered by how long to beat. Sign up for early access today at playlist.ign.com.
2: What's up, everybody? Welcome to a very special Game Scoop or Podcast Unlocked or Podcast Beyond or Nintendo Voice Chat, whatever you happen to listen to uh, on a week-to-week basis, whatever IGN podcast fits into your gamer life. This has become somewhat of a tradition for us here. At the end of the year, we like to get the hosts of all of our podcasts together to talk out who uh, who had the best year, who had the best, strongest, exclusive lineup, who had the most significant hardware changes. We'll take a little bit of a look into the new year, into 2022, and to see who has the most promising game lineup on the horizon. So, I'm Damon Hatfield. I'm host of uh, IGN Podcast Gamescoop. I'm joined today by Ryan McCaffrey, host of Podcast Unlocked. The heads of the four
0: families, Damon. That's we, right. We, we meet once a year.
2: That's exactly right. Seth Macy, host of Nintendo Voice Chat, is here. Welcome, Super Ninfriendos. Hello. Say that, contractually obligated. Contractually obligated. And Jonathan Dornbush, host of Podcast Beyond
1: beyond also contractually obligated to say that <laughs> hello mm-hmm.
2: all right it's good to see you all let's try to keep things civil everybody Ooh. let's try to keep things friendly here i know the console wars are just r- raging as ever um but you know we'll, we'll try to to be professional here let's just let's just have a casual chat about the year 2021. Nintendo, Sony, Microsoft what, what 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 happened? What were the games that were released? What were the missteps? Let's try, let's try to take um, stock of it all. Maybe we'll start with PlayStation and the PlayStation 5 a year old now, a year into its life, Jonathan, still hard to find as I think all hardware is these days. Mm-hmm. Let's begin with the exclusives. Yeah. Mm, how were the PS5 exclusives this year? Tell me if I've missed anything. Returnal, Ratchet and Clank Rift apart, Death Loop. Destruction All Stars, Kana Bridge of Spirits. Any, anything notable that I, I missed there?
1: Um, a few other on the the indie level, sort of. Uh, you know, I don't think anything quite got the promotion that Kana did this year from PlayStation in particular. But things like uh, Solar Ash were also exclusive this year, and, and a few other indies throughout the year. There were some some really solid ones that I think helped keep the release cycle going, uh, even as people, you know. Obviously focused on whatever was sort of the AAA thing next to to come up on the on the list, but yeah, the, that that's the that's the year largely from from a big picture view, and you know, especially at least for me in terms of PlayStation compared to the launch year of the PS4, uh, I think it's a pretty solid first year for a console. You know, the PS4 really after launch only had Infamous Second Son. There were a couple others in there. I think uh, Drive Club and and obviously MLB The Show when it was exclusive was yeah. in there. But, uh, well, you know, launch, knack. Uh, but yeah, other than that, we uh, I, I think this year overall has been pretty solid also for sort of setting the stage for what's to come for the PS5. I think it's been pretty good in that regard. Um, and, and yeah, overall, I'm, I'm really happy with these. You know, I reviewed Ratchet & Clank, really, really loved it, gave it a 9. Uh, Returnal, I absolutely adore. It's it's risen up my game of the year list as I went back to it and continue to play it. Uh, Deathloop is obviously phenomenal in its own right, you know, mm-hmm. even if it's published by Microsoft. I think we can mm-hmm. all agree. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's been a, a pretty, pretty solid year overall for PlayStation.
2: Yeah, Deathloop got a 10 out of 10 uh, from IGN. Yeah. Uh, one of the few games that did this year. Ryan, you played Deathloop, right?
0: I played the good. About six, hours. I never didn't end up finishing yeah. it or I haven't you finished it. You previewed it, yet, it right? Yes, yeah, so well, I have yeah. uh, put in a good chunk of time. I'm still looping.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, it's just interesting because of the way this this business deal shook out that that is a 10 out of 10 that went to Microsoft, right?
0: Yeah. Uh, and not <laughs> the only Microsoft published game that was outstanding this year as well Psychonauts yeah. 2, multi platform. Yeah.
1: yeah. So that one counts as well. Yeah. We can only um, hope uh, Ghostwire also reviews very well. in, in that sort of, I mean, absolutely. yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, sure, sure. Um, I don't know. So, h- how do you think this would compare to some other years for for Sony exclusives, Jonathan? I mean, obviously, you know, people like Returnal a lot, but it's a. I think it's appeals a little bit more niche, uh, it just because it's a very, very hardcore, challenging game. Maybe not for everyone. Ratchet and Clank, super great, um, but you know, Destruction All Stars didn't make too much of a splash. A lot of people that played Kena liked it. Um, I think the buzz is a little bit quieter over that, although it did win Indie Game of the Year, I guess, at the Game Awards. Um, but there's nothing like there's not an Uncharted or a, a God of War or a Last of Us, not like an, a mature A single-player story-driven game this year, right?
1: No, there wasn't one of those this year, and that's partially because I think a lot of the ones we were hoping for this year got delayed till next year. Obviously, Horizon, mm-hmm. Forbidden West, and God of War Ragnarok before they had names uh, were supposed to come out in twenty twenty one. You know, the, the pandemic and and uh, production delays and, and all those sorts of things pushed those games to twenty twenty two. And I'm glad they're they're giving those teams that time, and 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 that further sets up twenty twenty two to I think be the year we hoped 2021 maybe uh you know i think it's a, it's it's kind of hard for every year to be 2018 when you get god of war and spider-man in the same year or 2020 yeah. when you get the last of us part 2 and ghost of tsushima in the in the same year obviously you have different years and different paces of things. 2019 was a little bit down, even though there were some really great gems in that year, like Concrete Genie and Dreams. Uh, and so you get these up and down years. And so for me, this being, I guess, a quote unquote down year comparatively uh, without mm-hmm. sort of one of those marquee third person action games, I'm still very, very pleased by what we had this year. Like in, in, in my book, is not necessarily a down year. It just didn't have that, I think, you know, top line sort of mm-hmm. billing that you expect from a PlayStation game, but I think Ratchet & Clank finally got its due as a result. Uh, That's a series I've loved since the beginning and has always flown a little bit under the radar, especially as mascot platformers started to fall out of fashion, and so to see that one get a lot of love this year was very, very happy for me to see. Obviously, Housemark Returnal was a little bit more niche, but it was good enough for Sony to want to buy Housemark. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm happy with that one as well. Uh, Destruction All Stars was, I think, maybe the the biggest miss of the year. It didn't quite land. There were definitely some solid gameplay mechanics there, and you know, the current rumors are that those devs may be working on a Twisted Metal game, sort of in conjunction with the TV show in the works. And I do think they they very much clearly knew Lucid Games, you know, how to make car combat work. It was just sort of the the progression of that game and the the incentive to keep you playing and, and the things all around essentially getting you into the reasons for playing that didn't quite work as well. And so hopefully with some refinement, they can get to a better version of that with Twisted Metal. But yeah, you know, to your point, there was no God of War. There was no Horizon. We're, we're getting all that stuff next year, but in yeah. my book, it was still a pretty good year.
2: And... Um... Sony has been releasing PS5 versions of some of its last-gen games. We got PS5 versions of both God of War and Ghosts of Tsushima, which I took that opportunity to replay both of those games, uh, as excellent as they are. Is, do you feel like this is a, a good strategy to sort of you know uh, give players a reason to revisit these these excellent, excellent games, Jonathan? Or would you rather they focus more on new games for PS5?
1: I mean, and and this is something I think we can talk about because I know you want to talk about a certain op-ed I wrote earlier this year. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think it's a smart strategy, especially at the beginning of a generation and a generation played by the pandemic and and things, you know, uh, causing just natural delays across the board. So I think this is a very smart path. And they've also taken different paths. Like those those two games you mentioned, God of War was just sort of an upgrade patch that went to all of people who, who have the game. Uh, It wasn't necessarily a PS5 version, whereas Ghost of Tsushima and Death Stranding got dedicated PS5 quote-unquote director's cuts and and Mm -hmm. had more uh, larger expansions added to them as well. So you're getting the sort of middle ground of things. To me, it's not that different from what Nintendo's been doing with the Switch. You know, they had all those great games on the Wii U, but no one bought a Wii U, so they're putting them on on the Switch, whereas obviously a lot of people (laughs) had a PS4, but uh, they still know that only a small portion of the overall PS4 library uh, ownership, excuse me, bought those games so getting people Mm -hmm. a a second chance at those games on newer hardware just makes sense especially when your biggest titles do get delayed
2: Mm -hmm. okay you mentioned your op-ed in april you wrote an op-ed uh titled playstation's focus on too big to fail games is concerning uh recap for us what that was all about and, and and i guess let us know if you if you still feel the same way today
1: Yeah, so that uh, was originally based on a Bloomberg report that came out earlier this year that was sort of talking about uh, the feeling that PlayStation was uh, allegedly internally only really doubling down on the franchises that worked and really focusing on just making those big, as you were saying, mature blockbuster AAA action games the focus of their entire brand and how that leads to... Very long development cycles, big crunch uh, potential there, not a lot of ability to innovate in in new IPs or new things like that. It it was worrying to a certain extent if that was the path we were going down. And one of the examples uh, given in that article was the still unconfirmed The Last of Us remake that apparently was being done at a new studio, a a sort of team that was incubating and using this project to prove itself. That didn't quite work. It was moved allegedly to Naughty Dog internally, uh, some changing hands for a new Uncharted project were also mentioned there, and it was sort of like, well, where, where are the new IP? Where are the ways you get Uncharted and you get God of War? Uh, you know, obviously we got Horizon and Ghost of Tsushima last gen, but if they're just going to double down, where's the new stuff? And mm-hmm. I, I would say the moves PlayStation has been making this year make me feel... Not that they're, they are still going to double down on those things. I think absolutely, without a doubt, they're going to continue to make those the cornerstone of PlayStation. But I think a lot of the acquisitions they've made are helping to ensure that those games run a little bit more smoothly in the development process. Uh, You know, even just a, for example, most recently, uh, the most recent acquisition they did was, uh, you know, the week before recording this, Valkyrie Entertainment, which is probably not a name most people know. But they're a studio that's helped in development on a lot of games, including God of War and God of War Ragnarok. So bringing a team like that, bringing in a team like Nix's software, which has helped a lot on Square Enix games and, you know, now will help PlayStation internally, gives those teams the direct access and direct tools to PlayStation's development pipeline where they share all of their, you know... Ideas and concepts and, and and technology, and to have them just internally help with production of these big games will go, I think, a, lo- a long way to making production a little bit more smooth. But then you also see things like. FireSprite being acquired, Housemark and and Bluepoint and Bluepoint's working on a new game, not just remakes anymore. And I think you hire those three studios. They've said FireSprite is going to be making their original games. Still, they're not just going to be support studios to to other existing studios. I think PlayStation wants those teams to make original new IP to work on maybe new franchises that they're just starting, like Returnal, things like that. And so I'm I'm a little more in a place where I think we're going to see a balance of both currently. Mm. Okay. All
2: right, Ryan, we are going to talk about Xbox and Xbox games in just a bit. But first, what's sort of your assessment of, of the PlayStation 5's exclusive lineup this year?
0: Well, I mean, it's it's solid, but yeah, they didn't have the the must-play, like, Game of the Year contending. Uh, not No disrespect to Returnal and Ratchet. Ratchet actually was my vote for Game of the Year up until the end mm-hmm. of the year. But yeah, they, there wasn't quite that, like, game that captures the entire... Mind space Mm -hmm. of the core gamer industry, Mm -hmm. Uh, but they you know they they continue to to pump out great exclusives you know some smaller scale some bigger scale, Uh, and and they're going to continue to be extremely well positioned in the console industry as long as they keep doing that. I mean it's it's just incredible. Like you look back, I mean I think Jonathan, it's fair to say right that even the beginning of the PS4 generation, they hadn't really reached that reputation yet. You know, yeah. they had good stuff but it, it was really they you know, they'd started off poorly in the the PS3 era uh in terms in terms of everything in the same way that Microsoft <laughs> started off very poorly in the Xbox 1 era but then over time, you know, kind of built their way back up and and then at the beginning of the PS4 like yeah, there was like you know, there was uh um a few exclusives in the beginning, uh Killzone, there's you know, a few things but then then it seems like everything just kind of clicked into place with a bunch of studios at once, like all the work they'd been doing and they've just it's snowballed and they've kept going ever since. So you just have to continue to tip your cap to Sony and the and the fantastic lineup of exclusives they've continued to put out year after year.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean uh, to to your point the the PS3 they really stumbled out the gate there obviously and and started to figure out what their voice would be with things like uncharted doing well and infamous right. doing well and stuff like that. But as you said like the PS4 started out pretty quietly and I think all these acquisitions this year, you know, the PS4 had an incredible amount of games, but you look at Naughty Dog, and in the life of the PS3, they did three Uncharted's and The Last of Us. In the life of the PS4, they did Uncharted 4, The Last of Us Part Two, and Lost Legacy, which admittedly was a smaller game. I think they want those big studios to be able to get back a little bit to that pace. Uh, and put out that stuff because yeah you know sony santa monica god of war is i think my favorite game of all time and i adored it Mm -hmm. i'm so happy i got game of the year that was the one game they were able to put out during that generation and so i think playstation probably wants a bit of a faster pace as we get into this new gen Mm
0: -hmm. i mean we saw what happened we saw that sort of ip stagnation i mean there were other factors too but with microsoft where they 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 became the oh you're the halo forts of fable thing that's all you guys (laughs) do and that kind of was all they did for a while, but yeah, it's so I, you know, I, I certainly agreed in spirit with your op-ed earlier this year. You, you didn't want to see PlayStation just become this predictable, you know, last of us, Spider-Man God of war machine. <laughs> that was just going to pump those three things out in alternate years. And so, uh, you know, hopefully they will
2: continue to invest in new
0: IP with these new acquisitions.
1: Yeah.
2: And Seth from, a. From a Nintendo standpoint, how would you assess uh, the PlayStation's exclusive lineup this year?
3: Uh, I mean, it'll make a lot of people mad when I say that the most use I've given my PlayStation Five is to watch 4K Blu-rays. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm let me say the ps 5s future is extraordinarily bright, and I'm not going to say that it's it's something that Sony like made a bad decision. Everybody was kind of screwed over for the pandemic, and especially yeah. like making these gigantic games that require hundreds, if not thousands, of moving parts to come together. I would say that the PlayStation Five is a little bit uh, had a little bit of a down year for exclusives, but the good news is most people can't get a PlayStation Five anyway. So next year <laughs> will be much much better. yeah
2: yeah. Well, fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh- <laughs> Hardware updates for the PS5 this year, Jonathan, is is um we we got the ability to uh, upgrade and expand the uh, SSDs. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's definitely probably the biggest thing on the hardware side, and I'm sure Seth can speak to you know the the commerce team and and everything that was needed to make sure people knew what were the best for uh, SSDs to buy and and heat sink or not to heat sink, as the big question seems to be. Um, but yeah, that that was definitely one of the biggest ones. We saw some other UI updates and things like that. Uh, you know, PlayStation took the opposite approach of Xbox this generation where they completely revamped their UI, whereas Xbox uniformed the, the UI with the last gen and, re- and really brought everything together cohesively. This time, everything was new, but so we were getting problems that didn't need to happen, like for, for those among us who are trophy hunters, a very bad way to sort through trophies and things like that. They they fixed stuff like that, but there's there's still work to be done there for sure. Uh, but yeah, and then of course we're continuing to get a few new DualSense colors, uh, Pulse 3D headset colors. We just saw that they're actually going to be uh, selling faceplates for the mm-hmm. PlayStation. We're back in the 360 era. Uh, we're, we're getting faceplates for our consoles. So that's that's fun to see. But yeah, I'm glad I won't have to buy a special edition PS5 just to get a different color <laughs> if I want.
0: Yeah, the face plates thing didn't really end up going so well for Microsoft. What? Nobody no. ended up really buying them.
1: I have like 12 in my closet. They're yeah. going to be but, great you know, if you
0: totally, it. totally fizzled out, though. Oh, it was yeah, like this yeah. big idea at the beginning, and it didn't really amount to what I think they thought it would. Yeah. I, I, mean, I think...
2: Go ahead. I was just going to say, the the remodel of the 360 didn't even support them. That's right. Right. Got rid of them. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I I think the PS5 uh, faceplate thing, and and I don't think we're going to get a ton of them. I don't think it's going to be a thing they market out to everyone, but I think it's more of a, like, people are already modding these things, and obviously there have been third parties selling them, so Sony was probably just like, why don't we just make this money? And I think that's kind of where we're at.
2: Yeah. And then, looking ahead to 2022, obviously 2022 is a moving target, but... Man, Jonathan, if all these games come out next year that are supposed to come out, we get Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok, Grand Turismo 7, Ghostwire Tokyo, and Forspoken from Square Enix. Um, man, that's going to be a really, really big year for Sony. Much bigger than this year, I think.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, in in terms of, I I think the thing to say before any PlayStation fan gets mad, obviously, you know, we're, we're saying a down year for PlayStation. There were a lot of great games for PlayStation this year, but when you're, as you were saying, Damon, talking about the, like, marquee AAA things that people sort of expect... Horizon and God of War in the same year, along with their mainstay Grand Turismo, is just a phenomenal potential year. And then, yeah, as you said, uh, third-party exclusives like Ghostwire, Forspoken, things we probably don't even know about. Um, indies yeah. like Stray from from Annapurna. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of potential for next year uh, to make it just just a huge one. Uh, and I and I can't wait. Even if I, uh, wonder how I'm going to fit all those games in in a calendar year. But yeah, it's it's going to be big. And then stuff like we don't even know. When and where we'll see Final Fantasy 16 again, and you mm-hmm. know some other stuff. So it it's already looking mm-hmm. like a big year, and could be potentially even bigger.
2: Okay, let's shift our focus to Xbox now. Ryan, in um at E3 this year, you you wrote an op-ed proclaiming Xbox's game drought was officially over. Yes, you still feel the same way. Absolutely, yeah. And this fall has.
0: Mm. Only back that up, and uh it it's I think we're finally done with with just xbox rolling no through the desert, just <laughs> dying of thirst, trying to get to some sip of water uh when it comes to exclusive games yeah it's xbox is like the divorced dad who totally just like got in shape this year, started eating right, <laughs> yeah. regained the self confidence and just mm. like came. And now it's at the Christmas party, like, what's up, everybody? Whoa. Yeah, I'm back. <laughs> Woo! And, yeah, it's just so great to see after, you know, the last seven Christmas parties, Xbox was kind of like just the depressed, divorced dad sat in the corner that nobody wanted to, to talk to.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's interesting. I've You know, like most people, I spent all last-gen playing my PlayStation and hardly ever turned on my Xbox One. But since Deathloop came out in September and I finished that, I have... I have to be honest, I have not turned on my PlayStation 5 since then. Uh, I've been playing the incredible one-two punch this fall of both Forza Horizon 5 and Halo Infinite back-to-back. And it's just really interesting that uh, Sony's just been really quiet this, this fall season. And I know as we've talked before, Jonathan, that traditionally Sony doesn't always have a big holiday release, but two huge releases from Xbox has really allowed them to kind of dominate conversation this fall. And I also played third-party stuff like Guardians of the Galaxy on my Xbox. So. Oh, and Far Cry 6. Anyway, let's talk about these two games. Ryan, Forza, yes, Horizon 5, IGN's Game of the Year.
0: Thank God. Yeah, it's so deserving. Like <laughs> I've been beating the drum. Not the only one. Per Schneider, our co-founder. Uh, Luke Riley, our racing game guru out of Australia. Forza Horizon has been a Game of the Year-worthy series for a while. But it's carried that stigma of just, like, a racing game-winning Game of the Year. Like, no. Yeah. It's time. It's it's. I've said this before. I've parsed this on unlock. I, I don't, I don't want to get too far in the weeds, but to me, uh, Forza Horizon Five. It's not so much a racing game. I mean, it is, but it is a driving game, and I think there is a significant difference there. It's if you have any love for cars, enthusiasm for cars, Forza Horizon captures that in a way that a traditional racing game like Forza Motorsport which is focused in on hardcore simulation racing and getting your tire pressures right and yeah. like that's for a certain audience and it does a, an amazing job at that as Gran Turismo has done over the years as well but Horizon is just so approachable it's there's fun like to use a bad road pun there's fun around every corner but it's actually true <laughs> it's not just a bad pun there, there, the you're in a as always a beautiful place a fictionalized version of Mexico Uh, There are social elements if you want them or you can just cruise around listening to all the cool radio stations if you want to. To me, Forza Horizon, as a series, and this certainly applies to Forza Horizon 5 specifically, I've said this before, Forza Horizon is a perfect 72 degree breezy summer day in video game form. Like, there's just nothing unpleasant about it. It's unendingly joyous and I'm so happy that I, we, I, we finally got enough people on staff to play it and see that. And it's our game of the year and it and it's playground games. What a well-earned congratulations to them. It's just fantastic. And it's, and now with Game Pass being bigger and bigger too, I think that's helped a lot with just getting more people to check it out, to give it a try.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I count myself among the converted. I, I've never played a Forza game before. I don't play racing games or driving games, and I don't even particularly care about cars. But <laughs> as you good. say, it's just, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, um, someone else mentioned it's more like Tony Hawk. It's more like a t- Tony Hawk game that's, where you like, yeah, that's fair. You, It's just fun to traverse the environment and drive around and complete uh, the dozens, hundreds of objectives and find all the collectibles. It's like, you know, I love open world games and it, it definitely like satisfies what I like about exploring an open world, just I'm in a car. 100% it's also of the probably
0: time. the best looking game on the Series X so far, mm. which uh, yeah. which certainly doesn't really hurt true. its a, its initial appeal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I, I host a segment, a recurring segment on GameSoup called Game of the Year Watch, where every three months we take stock of what are the best reviewed games of the year so far, and what's likely to be in the Game of the Year discussion at the end of the year. And I've been on, I've been on the record many times saying, "Well, this is a dry, this is a racing game, so obviously it's not going to be in the discussion." <laughs> for, but I, I'm happy to be proven wrong because when you look at, we've been giving out Game of the Year awards for 20 years now, and. The first award went to Halo, uh, the original Halo, 20 years ago. This hey, Forza is the only racing game we've ever given, or only car game, driving game, yeah. whatever you want to call it, to ever get, receive a Game of the Year award.
0: Well, it's deserving. It, I think it's the best car game of at least the last five to 10 years, if not yeah. more. Uh, period. I mean, you know, not that Forza Motorsport hasn't been great, not that F1 hasn't been excellent, not that Gran Turismo. Uh, What I guess GT Sport was the last one. Not that that's not excellent, but Horizon is just yeah, it's just too good. It's so good.
2: And then you know, to to continue the boxing analogy, if if Forza was the blow that uh, you know dizzied dizzied Xbox's uh, opponents, Halo Infinite is just the the knockout the knockout punch. The multiplayer was sort of surprise in quotes launched. To celebrate the 20th anniversary of Xbox, and then when you know, the single player finally arrived, too, Ryan, you reviewed it, gave it a nine, and despite all of this sort of turmoil that game appears to have gone through in development, they landed it.
0: They landed it. It's uh, I. I've said this on Unlock, but I, I was as happy as, or I was as relieved as I was happy when I finally played and finished yeah. the Halo Infinite campaign because, as you know, to Damon, yeah, it's this game has publicly been through a lot now video game development is extremely hard we Mm -hmm. as media covering it we only get little windows into the the challenge of making a video game uh from time to time in our line of work but so i don't pretend to have the full scale of just how difficult any game was particularly halo infinite but yeah publicly this game went through a lot so just what we saw was Mm -hmm. a lot but they did it i mean it's the the gameplay is sublime. I mean, it's it's absolutely sublime. The 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 weapons, you know, the, just that holy Halo trinity of you know guns, grenades, melee, with mm-hmm. the vehicles mixed in, uh, the equipment kind of coming back. The, the idea of equipment from Halo Three coming back, you know, led by the grapple shot, grappling hook here in Halo mm-hmm. Infinite, and it just traversing this this open. Zeta Halo ring is so much fun, and sort of creating your own uh, just bespoke combat encounters is so much fun, and doing all the open world activities to unlock these valor points, which would let you unlock, you could call in any vehicle you want as you, you, you unlock more vehicles, as you earn more valor. So then you could say, all right, well, there's this high value target over here. Oh, my, oh man, pair of hunters like extra tough hunters, and they're surrounded by a giant group of reinforcements. Well, let's see, what do I want to do here? Do I want to... Go, I'll go back to the FOB. Do I want to call in a Warthog and load it up with Marines and just go in and start tearing around and, and seeing how many we can take out? Or do you do what I ended up doing in that particular high-value target scenario? Uh, I went back to the FOB and ordered in a Scorpion tank because I had enough Valor to have unlocked the tank. And then I just slowly rolled it at its very <laughs> low top speed down, just all the way back to up on the hillside where these, these uh, hunters were and all their buddies. And I just started annihilating them with the scorpion tanks turret. And it's, it's just a blast. Uh, pardon the phrasing there, but yeah, it, they did it. I mean, I'm so happy three, four, three, you know, I think halo fours campaign was phenomenal. I rated it extremely highly for IGN. The multiplayer wasn't quite there. They were sort of chasing the Call of Duty Dragon, I think, a little bit with with 343's first multiplayer attempt. Halo 5 had uh, an awful single-player campaign by Halo standards, but a tremendous multiplayer campaign. Master Chief Collection comes out as this attempt at nostalgia and just face plants with unending technical errors. But years later, they finally fixed that. But here we go now. Infinite finally unites a great single player and a great multiplayer under one roof. So, I mean, 343 just deserves a ton of credit for the perseverance and the, the effort and, and the talent that they have shown to, to pull this off. I'm, I'm so happy for them and for, just for us Halo fans too because I, if this didn't work, Yeah. I mean, I'm not sure that Halo would be a big deal anymore. Not that Halo was going to just end tomorrow, but I don't know if, you know, if after, again, after those things, after uh, multiplayer in four and, oh, the Master Chief Collection launch and, oh, the campaign in five, if Infinite had fallen short, I'm not sure if we would have ever looked at Halo as a top tier thing anymore. It would just be, oh, yeah, yeah, Halo, it's okay, cool, it's fine. But now Halo's back
2: and I'm thrilled. It was never a sure thing. Halo a twenty-year-old shooter franchise, and then, uh, you know, in the days of Call of Duty dropping a campaign and uh, Battlefield doing the same thing, and then the rise of just multiplayer-only battle right. royale games, it was never a sure thing that Halo was still going to be relevant. But and stuff like Destiny as well, you know, and, and Destiny I mean... as well, Overwatch that sort of thing. Uh, Seth, is Halo Infinite yes. getting much play in your household? It's yeah, it's all that my kids. I
3: actually have not had a chance to play this game. Mm. I. Because my kids have taken over the Xbox because they love <laughs> Halo so much. But I remember watching my youngest son. He was playing through a segment and he, you know, he finished. I don't know what the segment was, but he leaned back. He just put the controller down. He leaned back and he just exhaled. <sighs> and I said, what's, what's going on, buddy? Because this, this might be the, bit, the best game I've ever played in my life. Oh, uh, I love um,
0: hearing that. Yeah. Uh, that warms my heart to hear
3: that. he And loves he, it. you know, he, he records all like everything. And he shows me segments and he showed me one. I think it's the opening cinematic where um you know chief is like floating through space and there's just like carnage everywhere and there's the dead space marines and there was this moment where he sort of where chief looks at this space marine with a sort of reverence and and even though there's no expression there you can see that there's a sadness it, that he has where he takes a second before he grabs the assault rifle I thought yeah he like, he like
0: gently it? he's like very yeah. respectful to the There's this super the
3: humanizing moment yeah. in Halo that I definitely did not expect and like actually really touched me and I you know, my son was like, oh, yeah, you got to see this. He's like, the whole game is like that. But no, I haven't played it. And I also, he, he has done all his progress on the multiplayer <clears throat> on my profile. So now I can't, I can never, I can never, basically, I can never play Halo. So just please tell me how good it is and, you know, send me, send me your, your condolences.
2: Well, it is very good. But Halo and Forza weren't even the only games that uh, Microsoft released this year. Of course, they also did Psychonauts 2, which was a cross-platform yes. game but phenomenal, might be my personal game of the year. Uh, I, I'm enjoying it so, so much. It's so clever, uh, so imaginative. You're never doing the same thing from every, from one five minutes to the next. Flight Simulator, 10 out of 10 game uh, from Seth Mason, right? Came to Love console this year. Simulator. Um, and then early in the year, we got stuff like uh, The Medium, The Ascent, 12 minutes. And that's not to mention stuff that just came to Game Pass, you know, day one, like uh, Backford Blood launched into yeah. Game Pass. MLB, MLB the show. The show, former oh, yeah. former PlayStation exclusive franchise launched into Game Pass. They added 20 Bethesda games uh, one day earlier in the year. I'm uh, just out of nowhere. So
0: Outriders was another one that, that popped off yeah. day oh, yeah. one on Game Pass. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh, and so, Death's Door was a really highly regarded uh, yeah. timed exclusive. Xbox got that first. Yep. Yeah. So, man, Ryan, best year for Xbox in a very long time, if not ever.
0: Uh, I won't go so far as to say ever. I mean, you know, there are definitely some 360 years, like 2007 mm-hmm. with Mass Effect and Halo mm-hmm. 3 and Rock Band. I mean, Rock Band wasn't exclusive, but their uh, Bioshock was that year. But right. yeah, it, in a long time, <clears throat> unquestionably in a long time. I mean, it's uh, it it feels so this is what it's like. This is what it feels like to be a PlayStation gamer. It's basically what <laughs> Xbox fans finally got to feel in 2021. And as I said in my op-ed, yeah, I think the drought's over. Not that there won't be, you know, maybe some slower years from time to time, and in the way we just talked about with PlayStation this year. I mean, they still had, uh, you know, Ratchet, which Ratchet's a ten for me. I mean, it's uh, that Mm. that game was amazing. But yeah, I mean, next year. Well, well, I guess we'll get to next year in a second, Damon. But yeah, it's uh, it it was such a great year, and and really, it it wasn't super backloaded. Like it was reasonably spread out. Like uh, you know, The Ascent and 12 Minutes, which, you know, were smaller scale, like, indie exclusives, but those were very good games. Those were in the summer, uh, and then sort of we had Psychonauts after that. You mentioned The Medium, which was, a you know, a good, good game. I wouldn't necessarily call it, like, an amazing game, but that was uh, that was actually the first Series X exclusive that just wasn't out right. on Xbox One. Uh, that was early in the year, and so, we you know, we had a nice cadence all year long uh, of we never went more than, like, two or three months without some kind of Xbox exclusive
2: this year. Mm-hmm. So, Jonathan, what do you think? Do you think Xbox had a stronger year than PlayStation this year?
1: Damon, you know I could never say that. <laughs> no, I mean, it's it's been a phenomenal year. I've played, um, since the Halo multiplayer came out, I've played at least probably 30 hours or so of it. Um, as hard as it may be for some to believe, before I, you know, hosted a PlayStation show, I played a ton of my original Xbox and Xbox 360. Halo 2 and 3 are some of my most played games of all time, and so I'm really excited by this. Like, in in all honesty, when both are doing well, it just encourages both to do even better, And so to see Xbox have a year like this, I mean, you know, just to go back to the PlayStation conversation, all due respect to, you know, I think the work that Xbox has been doing, especially led by Phil Spencer over the last few years. I think if Xbox had a year like PlayStation has had right now during the Xbox one generation, we would have been very, very happy for Xbox. Like I do think this was still a very good year for the PlayStation. It just wasn't the year that had a halo or a Forza. We'll probably get Mm -hmm. those next year on the the PlayStation side. So, you know, to have Xbox. Xbox have this moment to have it really double down on that moment and do so so well just gets this generation off to such a more exciting start across the board because as as ryan was saying it's not going to suddenly stop we're not going to just suddenly have to wait six more years for xbox to have potentially another good game Mm -hmm. and so to have both of them working like this to have halo be at the top again as it you know it was so long ago i'm i'm so happy as a huge halo fan uh i've been loving forza horizon 5 uh i'm i'm the biggest double fine fan probably second to ryan and, and probably even you Damon. so forgive me but i'm i'm so happy to see psychonauts 2 also doing so well and and the future for them it's it's awesome it is great to see and i think getting both in a great place for the beginning of the generation, like both have done very well at the start of the generation. I think Xbox has just had a better year from a sort of like promotional and, and release standpoint, but I think seeing where both are starting, man, this is going to be a good generation if this is just the start. <clears throat> so looking ahead
2: into next year, Ryan. Yes. Xbox might not have as many <clears throat> big exclusives that we know of yet coming next year, but they right. might have the biggest game. Uh, I assume you're talking about Starfield. I'm talking about Starfield, yeah. yeah.
0: It's, I mean, I think people... Generally, I think there's still uh, not quite the realization of what's coming with Starfield. This is mm. the first new IP, new creation from Todd Howard and the, and the team at Bethesda Game Studios. The people that bring you Elder Scrolls and Fallout. This is a new... Science fiction, you know, ro- role playing game. Yeah. Uh, so you know, this this could be. I, I mean, I, and I think it very much will be a massive game if indeed it ships this fall. Now, I have said to <laughs> I visited Todd Howard to interview him about a month ago for uh, for Skyrim's tenth anniversary. I went, I flew out to Bethesda to see him because uh, I, I just I'm so sick of doing screen interviews that I was like, right. hey, forget it. I'll just I'll just fly out and it was so much better face to face but and, and i told him to his face like off air i was like i don't believe you when you say that this game is coming on november eleventh, twenty 2022 like if it does he'll have called his shot babe ruth style a year and a half out which yeah. in this climate as, as we've already talked about with the pandemic and the challenges of work from home production I will be shocked and amazed if it does make that date, and thus, I mean, if it slips, it's obviously almost certainly going to slip into 2023. So, but for the moment, we have to hold them to it and say that's all right. That's when it's coming is eleven, eleven, twenty-two, and if it lands, uh, yeah, it, that that game's going to be a big, big deal. It's just, and it's we know it's almost certainly going to be a you know hundred hour just almost endlessly yeah. playable open ro- world role-playing game, open universe role-playing game. Yeah. yeah, it's uh I am
2: so excited for that game. And in addition to that, we also sp- supposedly have Redfall and then in the spring, kind of a, more of a sleeper game, S.T.A.L.K.E.R. 2.
0: Yes. Oh, well, S.T.A.L.K.E.R. 2, I don't even know if you'd call that a sleeper because we've had a couple of little exclusives on that on IGN plus the their big E3 gameplay showcase and the ign audience man, every stalker thing we've put up does millions of views so i, I think maybe like marketing wise uh, i would agree with you that it's not like a household name yet but i think the core gaming community knows what's up with with stalker 2 and it's it's a high value you know high production triple a single player first person shooter and that's yeah that could be a real big one for xbox in 2022
2: mm-hmm anything other than those three that I'm missing, right? That we
1: yeah, know of today. Those are
0: the three big ones that we know of, as you said, because, uh, you know, the, the, the thing with Xbox is, you know, we saw in 2020 over the summer that they kind of had to show their hand early. You know, they were in this position of having to fight the uphill battle against, you know, trying to let everybody know that, Hey, uh, you know, we're, we're coming back. Really? We bought all these studios and really we have lots of games. And they had to go and announce a ton of those early. Like, you know, f- the Fable reboot from Playground, uh, the Forza Motorsport getting a, a next-gen reboot from Turn 10 on the, you know, sort of simulation racing side. Uh, you have Avowed is a big one from mm-hmm. uh, from Obsidian. That's going to be a first-person open-world, you know, um, role-playing game in the vein of what we've seen from Obsidian before with stuff like Outer Worlds and Fallout New Vegas. So there's... There is a lot uh that's that's known but seems to be further out than twenty twenty-two. So yeah, I'm sure those it's not just gonna be those three in twenty twenty-two for for Xbox slash Bethesda, but uh that is those are the big three we know of at the moment.
2: And finally we turn our attention to Nintendo, who uh for so long now has just kind of just been doing its own thing and finding uh, a lot of success in doing that. And uh, Seth, I think, uh, I wonder if you'll agree with me, I think Switch, Nintendo and Switch had a very, very strong year. Again, their list of exclusives, yep. uh, Metroid Dread, New Pokemon Snap, Skyward Sword HD, Mario Golf, Mario Party Superstars, 3D World, Bowser's Fury. Uh, I, I, think, I think they're just, they're just continuing yeah. a, a great wave of success with the Switch, do you agree? Yes, I've, I I agree uh, wholeheartedly. And don't forget, it. had Pokemon
3: that some mm. people were happy about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a remake of that. But yeah, it was, a, it was a solid Nintendo year because that's what Nintendo does. But I will say, mm. as great of a year as it was, and as great as Metroid Dread sort of was as their flagship game for the year, which I love, and it was probably my game of the year, mm. Metroid Dread feels kind of like the scotty pippen like there i feel like there should have been uh michael jordan this year and, uh, uh, okay it. there was there was like metroid dread is phenomenal and amazing but it feels like it maybe wasn't the big game that that you know i mean it's Metroid like a, like a breath of the wild too right like a breath of the wild too exactly
0: So you're saying it's, it was yeah. like 95 after between jordan retirements where scotty's <laughs> the elevated to the to the yes. number one guy and it that's exactly
3: know. it yeah and it's like yeah second round of the playoffs and they get bounced out yeah and then you're just happy like well you know there's always next year but you know we'll get to that but next year is looking pretty pretty solid but yeah no I think it was a great year and I have nothing to complain about I know that the pandemic had a a huge effect on Nintendo Pear was telling us about on NBC about how uh, you know Nintendo was just not equipped to do work from home because the dev kits they actually hire master uh, carpenters to nail the dev kits to the desks like they don't they're so that's not true but they are so <laughs> secretive that their 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 dev kits are actually attached to their desk they can't take them home like that so it was a huge cultural shift corporate cultural shift for nintendo to have to adapt to the pandemic you know work style and we got some fantastic games but it also pushed a lot of games into the future but i'm stoked we got dread i had no uh uh idea that this game was going to be any good. Or in fact, I should say I was pretty sure that this game was going to be like a seven when I when yeah. they first announced it. Well, and they started to show clips of it and I was like, I don't know about this. And then I played it and I was like, okay, this is this is my favorite game. Until Forza came out. But yeah, this this would have been my game of the year if Forza hadn't come out.
2: Yeah, I think Metroid Dread is a very cool success story, comeback story for Metroid. You know, but yeah. until E3 this year, Metroid Dread was vaporware yeah From like it's 2005
3: like yeah. yeah it was like a, a punchline of, of a joke about yeah.
2: vaporware so yeah so i'm very i'm
3: like that makes it even more incredible that it turned out so so good because you know you look at other games that were in development how like duke nukem was uh <laughs> years, <laughs> and then we mean? finally got it and boy that wasn't wasn't worth the wait so yeah i'm glad that metroid is is a fantastic game but the problem is You know, as great as Metroid is, it doesn't exactly set the world on fire. You know, like you go to Walmart and you look at a bag of Doritos and there's Master Chief uh, looking at you holding a a (laughs) snackable treat. But there's no, you know, there's no Metroid branding like that. So,
2: well, Um, they Nintendo did release a hardware revision this year. The only uh, console manufacturer to do that with the OLED model, which I think they did. People like perfectly well. Right. It's just not not like a necessary upgrade. if You already have one
3: no i upgraded uh because i have the launch day switch and it has a like a a concerning crack in the back of it (laughs) um but no the the oled's wonderful and if you don't have a switch or you do have like the first gen you want to upgrade i say go for it because that screen is absolutely beautiful and games look so much better but other than that i mean it's not what we were expecting this year to get we were all expecting the switch pro Mm. but uh yeah. It's hard to get silicone chips made in this year or uh, any year going forward. So they did have a stack of of uh, OLED displays. And they're like, you know what? Let's meet in the middle. Let's just throw these onto onto some switches, and it's it's wonderful. And I recommend picking it up. Oh yeah, and you also get uh, Ethernet ports mm-hmm. in the in the dock. So if you're playing Smash, which saw its final DLC mm-hmm. character this year, and Sakurai is. Of the curse,
2: he can go on living his life now. <laughs> um, Nintendo also expanded its Nintendo Switch Online service with the online expansion pack.
3: A little bit of a yeah, yeah a bit you of know, mist yeah. there. Yeah.
2: I mean, I signed up for
3: it because I'm part of the problem. Yeah. Um, but it's significantly. Thank you, Jonathan, for agreeing mm-hmm. on the problem. No, I mean, um, me
1: too. I've, no, I'm I there. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> it. Uh, I think what thirty dollars more. So it went from 1999 a year to 49. 90 90 for the Thank expansion you. pack which gives you right out of the bat it gave uh, right out of the box it gave you the animal crossing dlc which is great if you have animal crossing but like damon i know you don't have animal crossing, so you Mm-mm. don't care Mm-mm. and then it gave you nintendo 64 but uh it like five minutes after it released everyone who knew about emulation was pointing out how flawed the emulation is especially in games like uh like ocarina of time and then you get the sega genesis Collection, which hasn't really set the world on fire, but actually, emulation on that is fantastic. Mm. And uh, I think it's one of the best ways to play uh, Sega Genesis games outside of, you know, an actual Sega Genesis. So, but yeah, well, people were mad. They didn't feel like they got enough. They just released uh, Paper Mario. We've got Banjo Kazooie coming out next month. Mm-hmm. Still feels like maybe it's not worth uh, the slow trickle of like one game a month for the N64. But
2: <laughs> well, it's like somebody pointed out if they did. Uh, one game a month, you know, it's not going to last them very long. There are not that many N- Nintendo Nintendo sixty four games true. that is true that are worth so playing. They,
3: that yeah. So they have at least uh, two and a half years worth of games at one a month. But it's a bummer because they've completely stopped supporting the uh, the NES and the Super NES. Like those, no games have come out for those for quite yeah. a while, and the ones that have, no quality games have come yeah. out for even longer. It's just like. <laughs> garbage Jallico and Data East games that, you know, your little brother rented and your weekend was ruined.
2: <laughs> um, Ryan, in, in the Switch's launch year, we got both Breath of the Wild and Mario Odyssey, and you gave Mario Odyssey a 10 out of 10. Uh, how would, what's, what's your assessment of uh, the Nintendo Switch's lineup this year?
0: I did not spend a lot of time with my Nintendo Switch this year. Uh, not that there weren't good games, but for me, I'm mostly even though third-party sports have been so much better for the Switch than the last several Nintendo consoles, I mostly play my Switch for the first-party big, you know, big pillar stuff. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I did buy an OLED because uh, I had a launch day Switch, and uh, my daughter loves Yoshi's Crafted World, and mm-hmm. we, we played uh, co-op in... Uh, 3D World and Bowser's Fury together, which that was one of my best game experiences of the year. So I ended up, uh, I gave her my launch switch, which had uh, the left Joy-Con was drifting like crazy. So I just said, all right, we're going to, we'll, we'll go on Amazon, pick out whatever color new Joy-Cons you want, mm-hmm. and you're going to get the launch day switch. And then I've got the OLED for myself. So it was a thinly veiled excuse, admittedly, to, <laughs> to get an OLED. So there are now two Switches in my house. But yeah, I ended up not spending a ton of time overall. Uh, 3D World with Bowser's Fury was definitely the most time I spent with a game uh, this year on the Switch. I did play, I've played some Dread. I I like it a good bit. I've never been a major Metroid fan. I I enjoy it, but uh, it's not, it's definitely, I I think the Scotty Pivot analogy is, is very on point from Seth. So yeah, I you know we know that the Breath of the Wild sequel. I don't know why we're not calling it two <laughs> from Nintendo, but uh, we know that's coming hopefully next year. But yes, to your point, Damon, about me giving Odyssey a ten, mm-hmm. uh, which I stand by to this day. Oh sure, I, I stand by know, it as well. Yeah, I want to know what Mario team is doing because, <clears throat> and I'm talking you know mainline Mario team. We did go, I believe it was seven years. Between Sunshine and, and, uh, or excuse me, not Sunshine, Galaxy, uh, Galaxy 2 Mm -hmm. and, uh, and Odyssey. So we had a huge wait there. All, it's already been four years now, uh, since between, uh, between games, uh, on since Odyssey came out. So I wanna know what's Mainline Mario Team up to? It's EAD, is that right, Seth? That's the team? I believe so. Yeah, I think the commenters will quickly correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, real mad. I want to know what that team is doing. It's got to be a Mario game, and I want to know. I mean, I I would doubt it's Odyssey two because I'll bet we would have heard about that, and that probably would have been turned around by now. Similar to how Galaxy two was was not too long after Galaxy one, so it's probably going to be a big new idea. I can't wait to find out what it is, and I hope it's not
2: too far
0: away. Mm-hmm.
2: Jonathan, how about you? Uh, what, how do you feel about Nintendo's lineup this year?
1: Um, I I overall enjoyed it. I, I've been using I'd say my Switch probably about as much as I do any year. Uh, I'm I'm sort of a, a big fan of obviously you know Zelda and, and Mario, but I do have a, a, a love for I'd say Nintendo's I guess second tier <laughs> series. So so when things like a Metroid that doesn't have quite as mass appeal comes out, I am super excited and and to see things like that. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was just more that uh you know to seth's point the the strangeness with nintendo switch online continues to puzzle me especially when it comes to just nintendo first party game availability on that service uh, and the same way nintendo treats its anniversaries you know we got skyward sword this year for the zelda anniversary but wind waker and uh, twilight princess continue to be locked yes seth excuse me
0: all, all right this
1: little bad boy all right but i can't play that on my switch uh You could glue it to the Switch. That's true. I could ruin the system. Uh, You know, to to not see things like that, to not see the uh, Metroid collection uh, that we've all been hoping for, both Prime and the older games, you know, I think a funny thing that I've seen a lot happen this year in the lead-up to Dread was Nintendo would make a big deal about all the older Metroid games, especially Zero Mission. And people are like, well, it would be wonderful if I could play Zero Mission on my Switch. It's a shame. That can't happen. And, you know, so... Excuse me. To not see... Zelda and Metroid, I think, get the bigger celebrations that they deserve was was a bit disheartening. But you know, I, overall, I think it was a very solid year for Nintendo. It didn't have the highs of something like that launch year. But looking ahead, I think it, there's nothing to worry about too much in that regard.
2: So Seth, Breath of the Wild, <clears throat> one of the best launch games of all time, many people's yeah. favorite game of all time now. Yeah. How Absolutely. confident are you that we're getting the sequel in 2022?
3: I mean, the, the the dreamer, the wisher inside of me <laughs> really thinks that we're going to get this in March. But the realist, the realist in me thinks that we probably won't get it until the fall, if not 2023. And then the pessimist in me mm. thinks this will be a launch game for the next uh, Nintendo console. Wow. So, yeah. But I'm, I'm very hopeful. And like, I want, you know, Breath of the Wild is one of my is t- like top three game of all time for mm-hmm. me so I, I i really want the sequel to it but we we hear so little about it so i don't know I, i'm hoping they can make
2: it happen but we'll see well as of right now it's slated for 2022 so we'll keep it in there that's definitely the biggest game that i think that we uh, that we know of from nintendo oh, right now yeah we're also Without getting there's the Advance wars Remake that yep. was supposed to be out this year got delayed into next year. I am super excited for Triangle Strategy from Square Enix uh, coming yeah. in January. Yep, that one looks lovely and delightful. Bayonetta three is finally coming. I know Bayonetta fans have been <laughs> finally getting
3: Bayonetta, 3, yes, <laughs> which everyone time. loves to bring up how like exciting. And I'm I I love Bayonetta. I I play Bayonetta two like constantly trying to s you know rank everything, and I never do. But as excited as I am for Bayonetta three. It's again. It doesn't set the world
2: on fire. It's right. It's, I'm just. I'm just not... down the, the list of games yeah. that we know that are coming next year. There is also Kirby and the Forgotten Land. That's what it's.
3: Yeah. Forgotten land right. The
2: Kirby last. The Last
3: of Us, last
1: Kirby, of us Kirby. Kirby. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Really looks awesome. I'm really excited for that. The Kirby of us, which you know, based <laughs> on what we know of Kirby's powers, that you know, it tracks. Any of us could be Kirby. That is true. <laughs> um, and there is another one, Chocobo GP. So, Jonathan, Gran Turismo 7 should probably be a little worried.
1: And I yeah. mean, and Forza Motorsport, whenever that one's coming out, too. It's yeah. going to be tough. Yeah, it's true. That's true.
2: So, Seth, to, to wrap everything up, good year for Nintendo, right?
3: Good year for Nintendo. Yeah. I would give it a, a 7 out of 10 for Nintendo.
2: A good IGN scale. Interesting. We should rate. We should. That should be part of our uh, Game of the Year awards at the end of the year. We should rate the year on the IGN scale.
1: <laughs> Nothing could go wrong. <laughs>
2: Um, all right, well, that about sums up uh, our, our sort of wrap up of uh, each uh, platform, uh, Xbox, PlayStation, Nintendo for the year 2021. Uh, in my mind, what do you guys think? I think this is a, a solid year for games, not one of oh, the yeah. best years, not like a 2007 year for me. Ryan, what do you think? Uh,
0: no, th- those years don't come along very yeah. often. I mean, it's yeah, yeah it's uh, the fact that you the first thing you said was 2007. There really hasn't been a 2007 since 2007.
2: There, <laughs> 2011 we, was really good. Yeah, I mean, that's to, Skyrim and Portal 2. 2004 uh. and
0: 2007 are kind of, we got mm. the two of them close together. I, but I really do think, I mean, in all seriousness, I think 2022 could be that. Could be a, that mm. caliber. Because as mm. we talked about, you know, if Breath of the Wild makes it, if Starfield makes it, uh, yeah. Ragnarok oh, makes gosh, it. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, um, um, Horizon Forbidden West makes it. Yeah. Yeah, there's uh plus we, that's not even accounting for third party stuff. Those yeah. are, those are all just not, fruity, not even like like major first squad things. and Hogwarts yeah. legacy and Yeah, so 2022 yes. could be one of those like magical once in a generation kind of years potentially.
2: Well, it's exciting. Uh, in any case, uh, all of you viewers and listeners out there, thanks for hanging out with us, uh, all the, the various podcast audiences. Do check out the other podcasts if you haven't. Check out uh, Podcast Beyond, Podcast Unlocked, Nintendo Voice Chat, and Game Scoop, which is platform agnostic, uh, but really just ends up talking about a lot of retro games most of the time anyway. <laughs> uh, we are. I think everyone's going to take a, a week off from podcasts uh, over, over the, the New Year holiday, but then we'll be back in early 2022 because as we as we just established there are lots of big games we need to talk about next year so thanks everybody thank you ryan thank you seth thank you jonathan thank you to red working behind the scenes to make this episode possible thank you to everyone that listens to and watches our podcast we do it for you uh that's literally the only reason we do it uh, a lot of the big bosses that under, uh, <laughs> around here don't understand why we do podcasts it's for you <laughs> uh and with that said my name is damon this is Game scoop and podcast beyond and podcast unlocked and into voice yet and we're out.